0: Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. I did the story a couple of days ago about how there's a warranty company that advertises on TV, and the allegation is that people file claims, and they don't pay the claims. And so a TV station down in Atlanta, I think, did a story on that. And in response to that, I got an email from a gentleman who tells me a little bit about the inside story of those companies. And uh, he didn't work for the one in the news story, but he worked for another competitor, But the funny thing is, I actually know a lot about this. And I've mentioned some of this, but not all of this. So I'm going to talk about this also from my own perspective and what I know and why I know it. But here's the story. I got an email from a gentleman. I'm not sure if he wants me to say his name, but the initial A as an alpha. The truth about third-party service contracts. That's what I called it. But he wrote, hi, Steve. I worked for, and he gives me a company name, as a claims rep. At the time, the largest extended warranty provider, and I was there for a while, and I can shed some light on customer complaints. So he worked at one of the bigger companies as a claims rep. He's not there anymore, but he was there for a while. He said, there are a lot of questionable warranty providers these days, but we always paid legitimate, even often frivolous claims that everyone knew that he might be able to get away with. So for instance, he says window regulator claims. So I'm guessing if they filed a claim and said the window regulator broke, they would just pay it because they thought, eh, even though he suspected they shouldn't have. He then says these extended warranties are sold to dealers at a huge discount, and the dealers can then sell them for whatever the finance guy feels he can get by with, often five to ten times the cost that the dealer paid. We'll get back to that. In fact, I'll make a note. Get back to that. They are usually falsely misrepresented by the selling dealer and sold to the customer as bumper-to-bumper warranties, but they are actually vehicle-specific. Sometimes they'll even exclude known issues with certain vehicles. The customer needs to read the contract. The covered items are plainly listed at the top of the first page. The dealer is mostly to blame, and that's his opinion, not the extended warranty provider, for failure to cover items not included in the contract. So, for instance, engine failures are often a customer's fault, such as running low on oil, neglected maintenance, etc. Expensive claims like these are physically diagnosed by field inspectors. Please note, I'm only noting my personal experience working for one company and have no connection to them anymore. Feel free to use this in a future video on the subject. Thanks. The first thing I'd like to point out, there's a couple different kinds of extended service contracts or extended warranties sold by third parties. I talked about this before that the manufacturers often have their own extended service plans that you can buy. Or, or a lot of times the dealer will tell you or the television will tell you or the internet will tell you or junk mail will tell you or someone calling you on the phone will tell you that you can buy a warranty from somebody else. And what they're selling you is actually most likely a service contract, but they often call them warranties. And in many, people, uh, in many people's opinions, those two words are interchangeable, warranties and service contracts. But, so here's the deal. He says, first of all, the extended warranties are sold to dealers at a huge discount. This is one of the weirder aspects of these warranties when they're sold by dealers. There are companies out there that will say to a dealer, we will wholesale you the contracts for 400 bucks. okay? So you pay us $400 when you sell the contract to somebody, and then you can market up whatever you want. You could, if you wanted to, buy from us for 400 and give it to somebody as an incentive on the car. You could sell it for 400 and break even, or you could sell it for $2,000 and make a gigantic profit on your investment. Whatever you, whatever you want to do. But the point is that they have a fixed wholesale price that the dealer pays when they sell the, when they sell the warranty, they got to pay the warranty company for it. And a lot of times they'll send a stack of blank warranties to a dealer and say, how many do you need? They'll send them there and they'll say, when you sell it, to validate it and get it working, you've got to pay us a 400 bucks and then we'll start the system. That right there is a huge problem. And I know there are people out there who are on the other side of these stories who watch my videos. So if you work for a third-party warranty company or a third-party service contract company, you should be aware that there are dealerships out there who will take your stack of warranties and sell them and tell the buyer, if you've got a problem, although the warranty says you can take it anywhere you want, bring it back to us because, number one, we sold the car to you. We know the car. Number two, you're our customer. We want to take care of you. And so, number three, we're high volume. We deal with these people all the time. So if you go to some unknown dealer and ask them to work on your car, they're going to put you at the back of the line. You come here, ask for me. I'll jump on the phone for you and take care of your situation for you. And of course, what they're doing is they're selling the warranties for $400 a pop, pocketing the money, and taking the application for the warranties and sticking them in a drawer. So that... Not everyone who buys one of those warranties uses it. And the hope is that most of them won't. So a month down the road, somebody comes back in and goes, my engine just blew up. And the person goes, oh, your engine just blew up and you bought a warranty from us, you say? And the guy goes, yeah, you told me you'd remember. Yeah, I remember you. I remember you. Guy goes, "Uh, here's the deal. We got mechanics out back. It's going to take a day or two. Leave your car here. Our mechanics glance at it. We'll call the warranty company. We'll follow the claim. We'll get the process going for you. Person goes, okay. The person leaves. Person then reaches into a drawer and pulls out all the applications and starts digging for the one that they sold to this guy. They realize they sold it three weeks ago to this guy. Well, you can't file it now and say this engine failed and we're just filing it now. But actually you can. Because what you do is you file it now and say you sold them the car today or you sold it to him yesterday. You can get away with a day or two on this, right? So they take the 400 bucks, they mail it in with the thing and they backdate it a couple days. And then they wait a few more days. Meanwhile, the customer calls the shop and goes, what's going on with my car? And the mechanic goes, I'm not sure. I haven't gotten your car yet. Uh, what's going on? They go, well, I talked to salesman. Oh, hang on. They put you through to me. I'm the salesman. And they go, what's going on in my car? And I say, oh, here's the deal. Uh, We've called the insurance company, the warranty company. um, And they're investigating it. And unfortunately, they're so backlogged right now, it's going to take a few more days. I hope you don't mind, but these people are great. They'll take care of you. Okay? Okay. So what then happens is I'll wait a couple more days. And then I'll call the warranty company and go, this guy brought his car in today. We sold it to them a week ago, and the engine blew up. And we hope that the warranty company doesn't look too hard into that. Because all they'd have to do is say, oh, can we see a copy of the application for title filed with the state that you're in? Because that'll show the date of the vehicle's actual sale. And the reason I know this is I spoke to somebody who worked for one of these companies. And there was a very, very high volume dealer in one state that sold boatloads of these. And they were doing what I just described to you. And what happened was two or three people who had cars break down closer to other shops than the selling dealer took the car into another shop, called the number on the warranty, and the warranty people said, sorry, we have no record of your car. Person then calls the dealership and says, I just called the warranty company. They have no record of my car. Oh, don't know how that happened. Accidentally got put in a drawer. We'll file it today. Well, when you file the insurance application, send a service contract, warranty, whatever you want to call it. When you file that after the claim has been made you have a problem because the warranty company can go, there was no warranty in place. Not between us and them. It may have been between the dealer and them, but no. And um, that was the first sign when they got several calls like that from a bunch of people who all bought them from this one dealer. But it got better because all of the policies they sold this company wholesale had serial numbers on them that were sequential. And they noticed something really strange, that they were getting these applications with these huge gaps in numbers, almost as if somebody had taken the applications and shuffled them or something. But who does that? And every other dealership out there was turning these things in in numerical order. And this place would file one, and then they'd file one that was 18 digits later. And the next one was 27 digits later and so at one point in time the warranty company calls up the dealership and says um we have decided to stop doing business with you therefore we're not accepting any more applications for service contracts warranties whatever from you we're not we're not going to do it so if you if you sold any prior to today uh, and we've gotten them, we'll honor them. But going forward, no more. And of course, the dealership had a stack they had sold. Many of these people had not come back, but they probably would. And if they came back, what was going to happen? Because they had taken the 400 bucks on the person, or whatever they charged you know, for the person, and pocketed the money. Now they got a bunch of people who think they've got warranties that don't. So that was one mess that I was very, very aware of. I know a lot about that story, but that's the basic part you need to know. But the other part is that if you're buying it from a dealership or a salesperson, the same thing applies to buying a service contract that applies to buying a used car. What the salesperson tells you doesn't matter. What matters is what's written on the contract. And an extended service contract is, in fact, a contract. They call it a warranty read it as if it's a contract, meaning that read the words on the page. That's what's going to govern. And I have been in court, I've litigated this. I've been in court before litigating the language of one of these contracts on more than one occasion. And so the scary part is when you read the language and understand, like I said before, that there's all these exclusions. He mentions that his company excluded certain things from certain vehicles. So for instance... They might exclude a known problem like, I don't know, a dual-clutch transmission in a Ford product. Because why would they take on that responsibility? Ford can't even fix them. They're not going to fix them. So there might be an exclusion for a particular car. Obviously, if your car is excluded, the warranty is worthless. And I've actually had people tell me, I bought this extended service contract from a dealer, and it doesn't cover my car. Well, that might actually rise to a level almost of fraud or something. But I've also seen people say, well, no, that's just, you know, that's that's on you. You should have read it. Uh, But likewise, when you start reading all of the things they exclude. Now, he mentions here that there are major problems that happen due to the customer's fault. Running low on oil, neglected maintenance. And almost all these contracts will say right in them, same as your warranty from the factory, misuse, abuse, lack of maintenance, and so on do not rise to the level of a defect that we cover. It's something that you caused, you cover it. But we don't cover that. But you get into a gray area because you buy a car at a, at a used car lot that's got 200,000 miles on it, okay? And you think, you know something? Warranty from the factory is it's an antique. It's long gone. <laughs> it's not, not something I can get, right? The guy goes, I got a third-party contract right here. It's going to cost you $1,000. Keep in mind, the dealership paid 400 bucks for it or something like that. So they just made a $600 profit on that one thing alone. But you get this contract and it says, you know, abuse, misuse, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, lack of maintenance will void this, any claim you make. And so you're driving down the road and the engine blows. You threw a rod. You spun a bearing. The block cracked. Whatever it is. Take it to a dealership to have it repaired and they go, well, we got to call the company. Company sends out an inspector. Inspector goes, Oh, the oil sludge. There's this this lack of maintenance. And you go, Well, I bought the car and I had the oil changed instantly. I I changed it that day. Engine blows up three days later. They go, Oh, you may have changed the oil, but there's pieces of the engine, like the valve covers, you pry the valve cover off and you flip it over and it's just filled with some kind of black jelly. It turns out that the abuse, misuse, and lack of maintenance occurred to the car before you owned it. But it'll void your warranty. And people go, that's not fair. Well, it's not fair, but that's what the contract says. And so, in a roundabout way, the fact I tell people you should always have a car inspected, people say, well, Steve, I don't need to get inspected. I got a warranty. Well, the warranty might be voided due to something that you would have found in an inspection. First of all, and, and second of all, getting back to the exclusions, I have seen companies that put a cash dollar value cap on what they'll pay. And it'll actually say, this contract does not have to pay up more than $2,000. So you pay $400 to the contract if you got it at cost. But it'll only pay back $2,000 at most. I, I'm, these, these contracts exist. I've seen someone who paid $2,000 for a contract that's capped at $2,000 payout. They just hadn't read the contract and didn't catch it. So you got to read the fine print, read all this stuff, and like I said, you'll find yourself reading sentences that say things like, we do not cover lubricated parts that fail, or any parts that fail because of another part that failed that was a lubricated part, or any part that fails that touches a lubricated part. At that point, you're like, What? It's it's like the knee bone's connected to the shin bone. I mean, it's just you know. So you got to read those things very, very carefully and understand that they aren't bumper to bumper. They don't cover everything. There's often caps, restrictions, exclusions, all kinds of other things. And they are selling these because they make money. So if they wholesale it to the dealer for four hundred dollars. And that's how they sell all of them. And I'm picking a number out of thin air here, but let's suppose that's the number. That warranty company has got to be able to make a profit, running itself, paying claims, doing everything it else, you know, everything else it does, and still make a profit. Which means that on average, they have to pay substantially less than four hundred dollars per warranty. Over the entire pool of every warranty they've ever issued. So when you get that warranty and you paid $1,500 for it, don't think of it as a $1,500 warranty. It's actually a $400 warranty. And the caps, exclusions, and otherwise will probably take away most of what you think you got. But they're banking on the overall theory that they sell 10 of these and 9 people of those 10 will not ever file a claim. So the nine who don't file a claim will pay for the one who does if they pay that person anything, which they probably won't. So there you go. So that's not all the truth, but most of the truth about third-party service contracts. And by the way, there are some companies that are really, really bad. And then some companies that are okay. The question is whether any of them are worth it, I'm not sure. But hey, A, thanks for sending that in. The truth about third-party service contracts Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Meow means woof in cat.